Welcome to the Freedom City Church podcast, a podcast designed to help your faith thrive. We hope you enjoy today's message. Part of what I'm really wanting to get to us and and share with us during this series and as we wrap up is that the local church is so important. It's so important. And I want to fall in love again with the church. Obviously, rah, 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 we love Jesus, we love God, God's enemy. Of course, I get that, yeah. But let's be real. You know, a lot of us have done have issues with Jesus, we have issues with the church. Mm-hmm. I think it's, for me, I really want to paint the church in a different way and to really talk about the different dimensions of the local church. And so over the past few weeks, I actually left the Babushka dolls at home for this sermon. So we have no idea what we're talking about today. <laughs> we have zero direction. I joke, I joke. Um, <clears throat> on the first week, I spoke about I am the local church. And the statement that we left with was that how I live my life matters because I am the local church and I carry the presence of God wherever I go. Did your barista, your checkout person, or your workmate experience the love of God the last time they saw you. Think honestly and be like, nah, that was that was definitely Lucifer. You know, that was <laughs> like, did did they experience the love? Because I am the local church. And unfortunately. And amazingly, at the same time, if someone looks at you and you say, I go to church, they're not going to look at you and say, I wonder what the church is like. I think that church must be awesome. They're going to look at your life and say, well, if that's the church that you go to, they're the kind of people that have been pumped out, you know, through that church. I don't know if I actually want to go to that church. You know, how I live my life matters because I'm the local church. I am, I am completely separate from the church and completely dependent upon the church at the same time. There's this dichotomy where I don't need the church, well, I need, sorry, I need the church and the church needs me. But I need to have, take responsibilities for my own life. The second part is that our local church, and I bring us, Freedom City, into this, our local church matters because you are my community of faith gathered together to encourage one another and to reach people with God's love. Do we encourage each other? Romans 1.11 says that I long to be with you. This is Paul. I long to be with you so I can be mutually, I can be encouraged by your faith and you can be encouraged by mine. Whenever we come together, it's not a consumer mindset that we need to, that we have, that we should come with. If you're coming with the intention to consume, that's all you'll get out of it. But if you come with the intention to bless and encourage, I tell you, someone's going to bless and encourage you. If I shift my mentality that I come to serve and bless and encourage the church, someone else, if they come and say, I'm doing the same thing, you're going to reap the benefits of that. So we come together to encourage one another, but then to reach people with the love of God. 
And this whole idea, I was reading it just recently, the whole idea of we worship in the gather and we worship in the scatter. We worship in the gather and we worship in the scatter. So we worship when we come together and then we shoot out again into the week. And the Anglican Church, I've been reading a lot of stuff about the Anglican traditions recently. They have this beautiful thing where they talk about the prayer of sending. To bless and send you. They also do this amazing thing that I'd love to incorporate this going forward, where in between the um, worship and the communion, they do a, a prayer of peace, peacemaking. And what they do is they say, is there anyone that you have not made peace with? If they're not here, pray for them, pray that, that you would there'll be peace and, that, and make a plan to go meet them, or go and find them in the congregation, take them outside and say, hey, Let's make peace. I just think there's something beautiful about that. That when you come together, this is more. This is supposed to be more than just me getting up the front. It's still, I laugh a little bit. I get up the front in front of however many people are here and have a microphone and I yell at you. You know, it's like, there's something so much more personal to this that we all know and we all love. So we need to realize that when we come together, there's supposed to be something dynamic to it. Not just a, I come, I sit, I go. It's like, we're together. So there are three dimensions. I am, you are, and we are the local church. And local is characterized by or relating to a position in space. So if something's local to you, it's spatial. This is local to me. This is local. I, 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 am, I live in Hilton, so Gilbert's. Or Charlie's is my, I don't live there, but like it's my local coffee shop. There's a spatial form. But when God goes and says that, all right, now love your neighbor as yourself, he says the first word, uh, for, uh, the, name, the Greek word for neighbor is plesios. Plesios, which carries a spatial meaning as well. So when we say love your neighbor as yourself, a lot of us will be like, all right, Pete and Sue next door. I love Pete and Sue, they're great. We share food and have a good time and they keep their music down. I love Pete and Sue. Whereas the neighbor across the other side was a loud Subaru that wakes us up at 4 a.m. They're exhaust. Praise the Lord that they've stopped doing that. You know, like, well, they're actually my neighbor as well because they are, it's a spatial thing. I love. Dave, Dave lives in Hilton. I live in Belia. We don't live right next to each other. But the whole idea of loving your neighbor as yourself, and if you are the local church, I am the temple of God, it means that wherever I go, you are my local. You are my neighbor. So if I walk past Jen, Jen is close to me. So I kind of have to love her. If I walk past Amy, she's close to me. It's not about who you know or people that you want in your life. It's about who is next to you right now and will you love them? That is being the local church. It's spatial. It's not to do with acquaintance or friendship. It's to do with where are you and who's next to you. Imagine if we only love the people we liked and we only share the gospel with the people that we liked. And we only share the love of God with the people that we liked. 
this world would be doomed, you know, <laughs> we'll be in big trouble. Because we don't like a lot of people. It's amazing. In a bad way. So I'm going to talk about the last part of the local church. We are the local church. And this one is bigger picture. Because the global church matters. Because we are the individuals who make up the local churches that form the global church. And we hate the fact that we're somehow connected to Southern Baptists in America. And we hate the fact we hate the fact that we're somehow connected to that church or those that denomination. We're like, no, we're different Christians. Have you seen how different I am? I'm not like them. Well, I'm sorry to say, they are the global church. And if they are the global church, you are part. You're one and the same. You're going to be different. And yes, you're so. We're so different. But they are part of the same church that we are part of. That's sobering. That's a sobering thought, isn't it? Because we think we're the best church in the world. So do other people. And they'll probably look look at me and be like, that pastor, where's cons? That pastor had a heart attack. He is weak. That pastor has tattoos. Then they'll look at you guys and be like, oh my goodness, we can't do anything, can we? I just, <laughs> but I am the individual that exists within the local church, Freedom City, which makes up the global church. And this is important for us to understand because we cannot be impartial about these dimensions. What I mean by that is that if I love my individual faith and reject the global church, I effectively reject that which I'm a part of. We need to come to a place where we embrace the imperfections that we all have. Will I disagree with people's theology and actions? 100%. Oh, so many different people I disagree with. I'm such a disagreeable person. You know, but when I sit back and I look at Jesus, I look at the cross, I look at what did I do differently to another church? To that different person? I didn't do anything different. I'll see, I'm saved by the same grace, by the same rugged cross. I'm saved by grace, by Jesus. So we can't be impartial when we look at the church. And this is tough because it's easy to dislike and not love someone. It's harder to actually say, God, do I love the global church? Because there are so many things that we could point out for reasons not to. Guess who else had a reason not to love you? Jesus. Even though we're enemies of God, he died for our sins. Enemies. All right, let's go to the Bible. Matthew 16, verses 18. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. We love this verse. On this rock, this ch- God will build the church. People, and the church, the word for uh, church is ecclesia. Say ecclesia. ecclesia. Ecclesia, which means People called out from the world and to God. The outcome being the church, which is called the mystical body of Christ or the cosmic body of Christ. Stu would love that we use that language. The, the universal total 
body of believers whom God calls out from the world and into his eternal kingdom. So we've gone from this, we've gone from my individual faith to the community of believers that I gather with to the universal body of believers who God calls us out from the world and into his eternal kingdom. You've got, I am individual, you are Freedom City, we are the universal, come on, body of believers called out from the world into God's eternal kingdom. That's exciting. That's exciting that me and Hilton, us and Hilton, can have someone in China, Colombia, Peru, Germany, worshipping the same God, encountering the same presence, and loving and sharing the gospel the same. That is exciting. I get pumped about that because it means we're part of something bigger. And when you're part of something smaller, I tell you, the smaller you make your circle of believers, people around you, friends, the less you're going to grow and be challenged. The bigger you make your circle and then you invite certain people into your life and you look for a bigger perspective, you're going to realize, actually, there's so little that I know and I need to learn so much. But I'm so excited because everyone's kind of in the same boat. It's, it's an exciting, dynamic thing. But let's do a bit of history here. Did you know up until the Protestant Reformation, which is when Luther nailed his 95-point thesis on the door, uh, front door of a Catholic church. So he wrote a, a thesis in his spare time. Oh, mate, a 95-point thesis, and he nailed it to the front of a Catholic church. Up until the Protestant Reformation, the global church was called the Catholic church. Did you know that Jesus was part, or no, the disciples were part of the Catholic church? Did you know that? They were part, and they started, actually, the Catholic Church. So up until the 16th century, the church was known as the Catholic Church. That's all there was. Then, what happened? Well, I'll explain, sorry. Catholic actually comes from the Greek word catholicus. Two words mean concerning and holos, whole. So concerning the whole. Regarding the whole, or more simply put, universal or general. Church, Greek, ecclesia, those called out, as in those summoned out of the world at large to form a distinct society. So as the universal body of believers called out from the world and into the eternal kingdom. We were once part of one church. And it's not a campus model or anything like that. That's just different. Like we're part of just one church. Everyone's like, yeah, we're all the same. Yeah, we're all the same. All around the world, we're part of the church, the Catholic Church, universal. But then, then the Catholic Church abused its power. The further and further it got away from Jesus, it started to abuse its power. And we know that the Catholic Church has done some terrible things. It also was the conduit of the gospel up until the 16th century. So let's not just throw the Catholic Church out and say, bad church. You've got to remember that the gospel was carried in up until the 16th century before there was. A lot of modern Christians nowadays is that we live in a place of disagreement or comparison. I don't like the way that you do that, and I disagree with your theology. 
I don't like this style of church, and I don't like your coffee. Your mission projects aren't holy enough, and I don't read the KJV. And Hillsong sucked. You know, it's like, there's so many things. Honestly, if I was to sit with you and say, what is the, what do you think is the best way we do church? We would all sit back and be like, it'd be like this, there'd be less microphones, or we'd have more smoke machines, and we would have so many people back and forth in like, a, like a, t- a terrace match, and we would not be able to find very many, many commonalities. You know, and that's the issue with the church. What was once a singular, universal church has actually become 45,000 different denominations. 45,000. Not three. Three three people just like, nah, we we disagree on Trinitarian theology. Yeah, nah, or we we disagree on the um, water baptism. Or we disagree on that um, the speaking in tongues is the initial sign of the Holy Spirit. No, can I tell you a few reasons why churches have split and denominations have created? There's, uh, first of all, can you go to the next slide, please, Quill? This is just a, a small picture of, of the churches splitting. I'm going to get up here. Oh, fitness. <laughs> I'm going to get up here. Now, imagine this. And a lot of offsets coming off of it. 45,000. Imagine 45,000 different splits. Here. Alright. Up here. You've got the Eastern Orthodox split away from the Roman Catholic Church. Then you've got the Roman Catholic Church and you've got Lutherism that comes in here. If you, may, you might have heard of Lutherism. Luther, Lutheranism. Anyway. You might have heard of it before. That's one of the prevailing or one of the biggest uh, Lutherans. It's called the Lutherans. One of the biggest um, initial splits that, that continues, but they continue on. They, since that's happened, there's been a whole bunch of other splits. Because what happens is, there's almost like a generational thing. If you see maybe your mother or your father live a certain way, you just act the way or live the way that you see them live. Or if you are led by a certain leader, you lead that way. These churches have thought, well, you church this way, so I'm going to church this way. You split with the Catholic Church, so I'm going to disagree over every single thing that we don't like. And then what's going to happen is that I'll see one little thing, and instead of coming to you and saying, hey, we can't rectify, or we can't come to an agreement, I'm going to start a new denomination. And to start a new denomination means that you need documents, statements, you need a lot of groundwork. So then you get down here, you've got the Quakers. God bless the Quakers. I love the Quakers. But they came from protest. They came from a split. Was it Presbyterian? Lee Hinkle, Pastor Lee Hinkle, he's a Presbyterian. We talked very differently, but he, he came from a split. We're all the way down here. We decided to split well later on, you know? We're like, oh, we've, we've done our best, but we just hate you. You know, it's like, and we're, sort of like, we're going to split and start our own thing. And now what's happening is everyone's going like, you know what, I'm just going to try up there. And then, uh, and then what's happening is people are just like smack bang in the middle. It's like, I actually don't know what I like. I actually don't know what denomination I am. I just want to go to church. I just want to hear about Jesus. And so you've got like the Dutch Reformed. God bless the Dutch Reformed. Yeah, it's like, the, 
they're intense. You know, you've got, you've got restorationism, Church of Christ. You know, we love the Church of Christ. We used to hire uh, our youth group used to be in the Church of Christ building. You know, you've got the Seventh Day Adventists that I think have got they've got something right. You know, like taking taking Sunday off, but maybe I'm just sick of doing church on a Sunday. You know, it's like Jehovah's Witnesses. We'll just leave them. Um, there's just so many different things. Episcopalians, they don't, they only eat fish. Um, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. And we all come to this place and we're like, I love the church. So, well, do I really? Because this was all based within someone thinking, I'm holier than you. I hear God more accurately than you do. So I'm going to break off and start something different. And that kind of makes me sad. Can I tell you a few different reasons why churches are split? And I just wrote petty reasons why churches are split into Google. And this is what came up. A church has split, not particularly denomination starting, but you get the point. Because they fought over whether to build a children's playground or use the land for a cemetery. It gets better. A church argument and vote to decide if a clock in the worship centre should be removed. So a church split because there was a clock in the, in the auditorium. This is, I like this one. A fight over which picture of Jesus to put in the foyer. A petition to have all church staff clean shaven. A church split over that. Two different churches reported fights over the type of coffee. In one of the churches, they moved from Folgers to a stronger Starbucks brand. In the other church, they moved to a stronger blend. Members left the church, in the latter example. We're all sick of things. Who wants to start a new church? (laughs) An argument on whether the church should allow deviled eggs at the church. (laughs) I love that one. A disagreement over using the term potluck instead of pot blessing. Some church members left the church because one church member hid the vacuum cleaner from them. It resulted in a major fight and split. So Andrew, you're telling me to love the global church. Yes. I'm sorry. But please love the global church. But this is the fruit of people not caring for the I am, which impacts the you are, which influences how people see the we are. The church is divinely ordained by God, but full of so many broken people. The amount of church arguments I've heard or things I've been around, and I grew up in a church split, you know, and, I, and people later on down the track sit down and are like, why did we do that? Why did we let that overwhelm the bigger picture? In the moment, when you're so close up, you're just like, this is insane! Why would we serve deviled eggs? At our pot blessing! You know, it's like, it's like people get so worked up. And then, then years later, you sit back and you're like, 
does it really matter? Well, this is something my friend uh, uh, we've talked about. The, the question doesn't matter. There's some things that do. Don't sacrifice people or animals. Yeah, you know, don't do that. But there's some things that really don't matter. Like, was did dinosaurs actually exist? I know people who are like, dinosaurs didn't exist. Why? Because the Earth is only 6,000 years old. How did dinosaurs exist millions of years ago? And they get angry at each other. Does it matter? Does it matter? So we need to reclaim the essence of what the church was all about in the beginning for us to move forward being able to say we are the local church. Matthew 16, 18, I will say to you that you are Peter and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower Empowered. This verse is often read as Peter being the rock upon which the church was built. You are Peter, and upon this rock I will build the church. So a lot of us say, oh, Peter. And the word Peter is actually, um, his name means Petros, which means little stone. So a lot of us are, I oh, build upon Peter. So that's why the Catholics, God bless them, call him Saint Peter. They're like, he's a saint. And you need to go to him and he needs to check your name in the book of, of life before you can come into heaven. That's why we they spend so much time and dedicate and do so many things to honor Peter, because we said it as all right, you are the rock upon which the church is built. But we often read this in isolation this part. And the best thing for you to do in the Bible if you don't understand something is just open up maybe two or three verses either side. And it says, Matthew 16, verses 13 to 18. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, the disciples, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter, Petros, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. The flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Pet Peter is Petros, man, little stone. Upon this rock in the Greek is Petra, meaning foundation boulder. It's wordplay. Peter, you, Petros, what you have said, who you are, upon this foundation boulder, Petra, this is what the church will be built on. And what is this thing that Peter has said? What is this thing uh, upon this rock that he means? It's the confession that you are the Christ. Jesus is saying here that not that Peter Petrus is what the church will be built on, but rather the confession that Jesus is the Christ, is the foundation boulder. So it's no longer, all right, upon this Petros, this little rock, the church will be built. He, Jesus is saying, well done, you've said the right thing, Peter, whose name just happened to be very similar to Petra, but it is upon this foundational boulder that Jesus is the Christ 
that the church has built. It is upon the confession that Jesus is the Son of the living God. We are wacky, uh-huh. We are wonderful. We are broken, imperfect, and beautiful. So it's not a singular person that we build the church upon. No, that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God. On that confession, because without Jesus, we do not have a, get this, a cornerstone for which the church can be built. That's why cornerstone. Jesus and the confession that he is the Christ, we have people saying, well, Peter is the prophet. Peter is the, the person that we need to honour and respect. Whereas Peter, the confession he made we get so focused on functionality that we forget the form. You know, in 1 Corinthians 12, 12, it talks about university and diversity in the body. Just as a body, though, has one, uh, though one has many parts, but it, all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And then we'll jump down a few verses. The body that seem to be weaker and indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. The parts that are presentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so there, that there be no division in the body, but that it's part. Part is honoured; every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ. Each of you is part of it. What is it that unites us? The head. You can't live without your head. Don't try. You won't succeed. You can't live without your head. Without Christ, we are aimless. But the confession that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, our Saviour and Messiah is what should unite us, is the essence we should be chasing. And aesthetically, the church should be beautiful. Why? Because it is defined by the Gospel of Jesus. As I read into different denominations and into different traditions and practices, as Sandy sends me stuff about Hebrew language, as I look into the Anglican traditions, as, as Dave starts digging down his pathway with communi transformational communities and shares it with me, you know, I start to see just how wide and beautiful and expansive the church actually is and how much we should take a step back sometimes and say, I love Freedom City. We do it awesome here, but I would thrive in many, many, many other church settings. Why? Because I'm not focusing on what they're doing. I'm focusing on Jesus. If your focus is Jesus, you won't care if they have a smoke machine. 
If your focus is Jesus, you won't care if they read from the Message Bible. If your focus is Jesus, you will sit back and say that the body is diverse, wacky, and wonderful. And there are people whose faith, I may not like it, but someone's been reached through that gospel or through that church. I just sit back the other day, because sometimes you look at mega churches and you say, they must be doing something. And who am I to argue that? Who am I to sit back and say, actually, you didn't do it the way I would have done it. How bad is that to sit there when someone said a salvation prayer and for us to sit there and say, I don't even know that they're actually saved. Does God need our idle little traditions to reach and transform a life? Heck no. tables in the temple but Jesus get this Jesus never explicitly said to you flip tables there is no indication in the Bible that we should flip tables we should have honest open mature conversations but Jesus has never said I command you to flip tables Jesus was sinless and he was doing a prophetic act Tell me, are you doing a prophetic act every time that you gossip about somebody or say, the church shouldn't be that way? No, you are just gossiping. I am just gossiping. I don't want to be that person. We don't have the right to flip tables. We think we do, but there's someone else looking at us saying, well, I would flip that table if I walked into that church. If I walked into Frederick City, to be honest, I'd probably kick over these things, these signs of systemic oppression, the whole idea of production and excellency, I'll probably kick it over and I'll get rid of this acoustic guitar because we don't even need music to worship God. We can just worship in spirit and truth. People would walk in here and they would say, you're giving out coffee? Can I tell you something actually, this is funny, when we put an ad up on Facebook, uh, we put an ad and we said that, we talked about the coffee machine and I said, uh, we said, I made just a throwaway statement as I was walking in with the video, Chris was filming it, I said, and here's the best part of our, of the day, the coffee machine. And I just made a joke and I said, but then down further on I said, oh, but then you get to the real, this is where the worship happens. And someone wrote on our Facebook and said, what, an, what a petty church that has said that honors the coffee machine more than Jesus. <laughs> and I said, far oh, out, man. We make really good coffee. <laughs> I sat back and, I, and I, I said to Megs, I'm like, I want to write something really petty. <laughs> I, was re I was so close to writing something really petty. But why out of all the things that we could do, would I look for one thing, one statement that was said as a bit of a joke, and just say, what a wishy-washy,
Someone say that we have really good company, but how sad is that? Someone's looking for a reason to hate the global church. I'm looking for more and more reasons to love the global church because I've been so blind to it for so long where I just want to find reasons why I don't like churches, why I don't like denominations, where I want to sit back and say, if I'm part of something, I'm going to be part of it well, and I'm going to have good, honest conversations when the opportunity arises, where I'll say to someone, actually, have we considered the way that we do our liturgy within the ACC? Or have we considered the way that we do our community outreach? Are we more thinking that we're going to save someone as opposed to actually partnering with someone? You know, I want to have honest, open, mature conversations. I don't want to just gossip and slander. Do you know what Jesus told us to do? He said, share communion together. To love God, love our neighbors as ourselves. Make new disciples, care for the widows and orphans, to outwork the Beatitudes, bring the kingdom of heaven, of God, to earth. I'm tired of trying to find out what's wrong in the global church. And I really just want to find solidarity in that which brings us together, which is Jesus. Just because something is different doesn't mean it's wrong. Just because we don't understand something doesn't mean it's wrong. Just because we're not familiar with something doesn't mean it's wrong. The global church is built up of so many unique expressions full of broken people doing their best. And we are part of something bigger, a family. You know, we refer to God as Father. Repeatedly as Father. It's not repeatedly referred to as dictator, grand chief. You know, he's not, he's not got some massive, egotistical name. He has something that is personal, that every person at some point in their life will have. And he comes to us and says, I am your father. And I want to stop fighting with my The Presbyterians, anyone, everybody in the body of Christ, I want to come and I want to have a revelation. The group. Because the church, the beauty of the church, people looking on saying, well, you guys fight a lot. You guys disagree a lot. So I don't want to be part of that. We are not a Facebook chat or a Facebook page where you can just post up comments and disagree. We are in each other's lives. We are walking with each other. We are seeing each other's highs and lows. And we need to come to a place where we humble ourselves and say, I don't know. What I do know is that Jesus is the head. Through relationship, kindness, the building of trust, by taking ownership and responsibility for my life and my local church, we will see the beauty of Christ return to the church.
so good. <laughs> I am you are we are. Let's close our eyes. I wanted to encourage you, I also wanted to challenge you today. Do we start to realize that we're not here to protect some utopia that we've created? The only way we're going to move forward is if we realize that Jesus is the head of the church. If God takes me to a Baptist church, man, I'm going to get baptized so many times. If he takes me to a Seventh-day Adventist church, I'm going to enjoy my, my Sundays off. Wherever he takes me, whatever he does, wherever he leads me, as long as Jesus is the head of the church. Children, that we are brothers and sisters. Lord, give us hearts that are bigger than our eyes. Lord, give us spirits that are gentle and humble, that we approach every situation with your love. Lord, we pray that we wouldn't be caught up in traditional denomination, but that we would walk knowing that it is you, Jesus Christ, that unites the body. It is you, Jesus Christ, that is the essence of what we need to be pursuing. Lord, we know that we have made mistakes. Lord, I want to repent before everyone when I've spoken poorly about churches. I don't fully have it all together. I'm still, I'm only 33. I'm still figuring things out. And Lord, I just pray that we would come to a place where we can repent. Say, God, we want to know your heart for the church. Jesus, we want to know you as head of the church. Lord, we, we are the local church. My life matters. Because I am because you are my community of faith gathered together to encourage one another and to reach people with God's love. And the global church matters because we are the individuals who make up the many local churches that form the global church. Lord, we pray that this will be dwell in our hearts deeply. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Freedom City Podcast. If there is any way that we can help you survive and thrive in your everyday life, we'd love to connect with you. If you'd want to know more about who we are, just head to www.freedomcityfremantle.com. Until next time, take care.